Hey guys, in this episode we discuss Larklight by Philip Reeve, Invincible Iron Man, The New Run by Brian Michael Bendis, and the movie The Labyrinth. If you don't want to be spoiled, please be cautious because from the very beginning of the segments we pretty much launch straight into spoilers. If you want to avoid a segment, please use the timestamps in our show notes to browse around the episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour. On today's show, we are going to discuss Larklight, Invisible Iron Man, and The Labyrinth. Two of these topics are from our vault, so there's a high chance that you have watched or seen at least one of them. I am here with my fellow fangirl, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hola. Sorry, I was just on holidays in Spain for a week, and... You stopped speaking English? I do not speak English at all. I spoke mostly Portuguese with my pana. The thing, my pana is really, uh, is fluent in Spanish. Most people probably don't realize is how similar Spanish and Portuguese are. And I find that very difficult. I can understand everything. I can read everything in Spanish and understand when people talk to me. I cannot, for the life of me, speak Spanish because it just sounds like Portuguese, but wrong. You know what I mean? Because you just change the accent, you change the way you say some words, and it just feels like there's something wrong with this language because it's like mine, but different. So the most hilarious thing is me trying to speak Spanish and everything would come out of my mouth apart from Spanish. So there was French, Italian, English, Portuguese, everything but Spanish. So I would go, <laughs> a, a glass of water, a glass of water, per favore. And then my partner's like, but that's Italian, Anna. And I'm like, oh shit. It's just, it is, I find I just, it's just really, really difficult. The only thing that I could speak properly was cerveza. Although the first time I went, I, I spoke cerveza. And the Rosa was like, what? That's not even a word in any language. <laughs> That's the greatest story you've ever told. <laughs> so it was a little bit confusing. A little okay, bit. Because all languages got cross-wired inside my mind. But you had so fun, right? I had a lot of fun. That was the first time that I went to the south of Spain. I had been to Barcelona and Madrid before, but I wasn't that much into it. Oh, no, sorry. I went to Granada before. I really liked it. But when I went to Granada, it was just for one day. It was 50 degrees Celsius, which is boiling hot. Everything closed in the afternoon for siesta. And there was nowhere that I could go in that heat. So I went to the train station because the floor was marble. It was super cold. And I just laid on the floor at the train station in Granada because it was so hot outside. And I did that for the entire afternoon. But anyway, uh, this time I went to the south. I went to Andalusia. I went to Seville, Carmona, and Cordoba. And it was amazing. It was really nice. It's the first part of my 40th birthday celebration. Woo, birthday! Yes, it's not until June, but we that's already started celebration because that's how I do things. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's fair. If I could have a four-month birthday, I would definitely do that. But unfortunately, yeah. my birthday happens on January 2nd. Most people are still hungover from the new year. They're like, oh, wasn't uh, it your birthday? And they forget that it even happened. Oh, my God, Renee, I so sympathize with you. I'm so sorry. Can't you change? Can't you just say, like, no, my birthday is now in March? No. But then they'd also be drunk from St. Patrick's Day, right? So uh, that doesn't work out either. There's... There's always something. There's always something that gets people intoxicated so they forget my birthday. But it's okay, guys. It's okay. So, yeah. do you have any other business? Uh, I have just briefly a couple of book smugglers publishing things to talk about. One of them is that we are publishing our first novel this year. It's a reprint. It's called Broken by Susan Jane Bigelow. And we revealed the cover this week. It's an amazing cover, it's really as you pretty. have seen. It's really yeah. gorgeous. 
It's by an artist called Kirby Fagan, and she's amazing. She has done, she has won a bunch of awards, and she has done a, quite a lot of work for big publishers as well. And uh, the topography is by K Mont, who is someone who has been doing. She, she did your cover, K Mont, basically. Yeah, the person, I yeah. The pre-orders are up now. The books are on March twenty-second, and it's superheroes, so it's cool. My cat has joined us for this conversation. Oh, does does the, there are lots of cats in this series? Are are there? There are. There's a cat lady, and she really likes cats, I'm and the cats cat. are really nice. Like yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just did I just sell this? Yes, this, this book is now sold. To me. This quartet too. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Um, and the other thing is that the book that you edited, Renee, Speculative Fiction 2014, is uh, up for sale at the moment. It's uh, 99 cents or p, because we want people reading it, taking a look at it, and perhaps considering for best related work for the Hugo Awards. Just do it, guys. Just put it there. You don't need to just read it. Do it's it. awesome. You can, like, I put it together, and you know me. Listen, so it's pretty good. It there no, no, let's, let's talk it up. It's a really super cool anthology that collects the best of uh, online essays, reviews from the previous year, and this one has 53 contributors, I think, and yeah, they think are I... all... <laughs> all awesome people. So many, like we squeezed so many people into this anthology. It's it's pretty cool. So it's well worth a look, even if you don't vote for the Hugo Awards. You know, I'm only joking about that. Not, but <laughs> but yeah. So it's gonna be on sale for a couple of weeks. So so is that it for business? Is that it for business? Do you have anything to talk? About? I don't. I'm boring. I'm a boring want, person. Uh, you edited the thing that I just talked about. That's true, but I did that last year, and now that's over. And now I'm just like, well, I guess I'm going to sit here on my couch and read some comics. That's I I did restart my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. recaps, because I quit. <laughs> I quit after episode, season three, episode five, you know, where Jimmo, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. Yeah, spoilers. Well, you know, I got really mad about all those tropes, and I sort of, like, took a break. But now I'm back, so I'm redoing... I'm not redoing. I'm actually restarting the series to watch and catch up, even though mm -hmm. I know some spoilers that are going to make me very upset. Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. upset. I'm not going to say anything. You're not going to say anything, because you already know that I'm going to get really upset and probably How cry. However, I will say this, writing TV recaps is really hard work. I find that really difficult. I just vomit my opinion. This is why I don't do it. Then be like, does that have any spelling errors? Did I say something that makes me look like an asshole? Nope. Okay, posting it. My therapist and I talked about doing something to completion. And this was what I chose, which was writing my thoughts about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3 all the way through. To prove to myself I could get to the end of something. The next challenge after the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is over is writing a novel. <gasps> so let's hope I get through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because <gasps> if I fail Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm going to be like, I can never finish a novel. I have star starry eyes at the moment. Starry eyes. Do you, want my, star do you want my gay detectives in space novel, Anna? Yes, I do. Thank you very much. I do. Okay, well, maybe maybe it'll happen this year. Fingers crossed. Yes. Okay, no no more of this. It's time to get into the, <laughs> time to get into the episode. Let's go. Lark Light by Philip Reeve and David Wyatt was published in 2006. It is the story of two siblings, Art and Myrtle Mumby, and their adventures in space. Anna, this was a vault title. This is a book that I loved. And I really, really wanted you to read it. And you were all like, mm -hmm. I want to get back into middle grade fiction. And I'm like, this is mm -hmm. perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I gave you this book to read. Mm -hmm. And now I'm now waiting to figure out if you liked it. Of course I liked it. What is not to like with this book? It's delightful. I'm so relieved. <laughs> oh, I just like lost tension in my body. I'm so scared. <laughs> It's hilarious. It's um, super well written. It's clever in the way that it uses narrative as well. It has an unreliable narrator in Arch because, of course, he 
He's like, he com- he completely misrepresents his sister. He just completely yeah, it's, really... it's it's hilarious the way that he looks at women in mm-hmm. many ways. Um, he's a little female, boy. He's a little he's boy. He's a little boy. He's a little exactly. And his sister is awesome. There is a great romance, mm-hmm. and the mother and Lark Light itself is just completely surprising. What it was. Yeah, so the full title of this book is Larklat, A Rousing Tale of Dauntless Pluck in the Furthest Reaches of Space. Yeah. And the book posits that the space, not space we know, but the space that they thought was reality back in the day was like this thin aether that you could sort of breathe in, but not like not for long. And all the planets and moons are populated. So it's this cute little steampunk uh, world that Philip Reeve builds. And throughout the book, David Wyatt does these really cute illustrations. And I, the, the illustrations are amazing. I love They are really good. His art. Yes. The story starts out with Art and Myrtle at their house, Larklight, which is parked around the moon. Their father is like a scientist. He does like zoological, xenological stuff for. A, so- a society of some sort yeah. back in back in London. Yes, yeah. I didn't find the I didn't find the father that interesting. So yeah. I no, really, I don't really know. I don't. I can't remember much about him. So sorry, um, our Immortals father. The real like main characters of this book are the, the this band of pirates led by <laughs> Jack Havoc, which is the greatest character name of all time. <laughs> he's so yeah, he's pretty awesome. And the other thing is that at the beginning, the mother is gone and they think she's dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? And then very polite spiders. Very polite spiders. I'm Mr. Webster. Are... I'm expected. Oh, horrible spiders, by the way. <laughs> we all know how much I dislike spiders. So at the beginning, I was like dubious about this book. Are you mad because I gave you a book because about spiders? Because I was like, fucking talking spiders, Renee. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> But then I got over that when things started to get really, really interesting. And I have to say that this is the second book that you have recommended that have some sort of mushroom. Okay. <laughs> if we all remember the deceptive mushrooms from Through the Eyes, <laughs> this one has fungi. I'm going to read out I, just a little bit, just like I read from Through the Eyes. I would like to read a bit of this book too. Okay, go ahead. And it's a moment when they uh, are in another planet and the thing about this is just that it just plays with the stereotypical image that we have of British people, especially of Victorian British people. They are very posh, very polite, very, you know, nice, but aloof kind of people. And Myrtle, um, she's the other sister. Arthur thinks that she's X. She's X plus Y of course, because she's much more interesting than he thinks that she is. But there's this moment when they are in another, I think they are on the moon or some, somewhere else. I don't remember. But they come across a mushroom, as you do, who had a snail herd for some reason. So, yes, you heard this right. It's a mushroom with a snail herd. So Myrtle, being the eldest, decided to take charge. She bounced up to the snail herd and said loudly and clearly, Excuse me, my good fungus. We have been shipwrecked on this, on your horrid planet. Please direct us to the residence of the British governor. This sort of dialogue is throughout the book. How they interact with each other like this is just hilarious to me. I, can, I, I just laughed out loud at this part. Excuse me, my good fungus. <laughs> Myrtle is very focused on being a proper young lady. She is very, because that's the kind of expectation that people have of her. Art doesn't think she can get away from danger, that she can do anything, but she does. When they get separated, she just she deals really well with things, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. My favorite part of this book is probably the fact that he, the, the author that is, deliberately like examined sexism and racism in really interesting ways yeah and he centers the women in their own stories and he centers the people of color in their own stories the pirates that uh, end up rescuing art and myrtle from the moon uh, after the mushroom incident (laughs) 
their captain, Jack Havoc, is uh, ha- he's half black, and he was treated like like a science experiment. And you learn all about his backstory and why he's a pirate and how he came to have this crew of aliens because he crews like his crew is a bunch of aliens, like an Ioni like a- an Ionian, and I can't pronounce that word correctly. It has like from the moon of Io that has like four arms and. Then like some sea and anem- like sea anemone type things that walk around and like communicate <laughs> telepathically and like a blue lizard who, and this was my this is my favorite part who runs the wedding chamber because in this universe the way that people get around space is this al- like alchemical reaction that people do in the wedding chambers of ships to make the ship like like go, go like move or go get on get on Sir Isaac's golden roads which I assume to be like at like a version of FTL and in the universe like apparently like you know only men can do it only men know how to do it women can't do it but this female lizard can do it just fine and she's great at it and I really like that he puts these little tidbits about gender equality and the fact that just because you're not white you can still accomplish things yeah several times and I just really, I just really love this book. I really love it. So when, when did, when did you first read it? Two thousand, I think late two thousand. It must have been late two thousand six, early two thousand seven, because I reviewed it on Goodreads, and my review was dated for like the very beginning of two thousand seven. Okay, so as soon as it came out, you were reading it. Yes, and I forget. I think I found it through a friend on LiveJournal when LiveJournal was still a thing. And she wrote lots of different, like lots about it, and she talked it up, and then I tried it, and it was great. And she was totally right about it. It's so so cute. The romance, the romance. It's it's adorable. It's so good. Of course, you can see from afar. It's the kind of romance that I really love. With the, I don't really like you, and I don't really like you either. But of course, they keep like making moon eyes at each other, and even Art was like, why do they keep looking at each other? Oh, Art. He's so naive. He's it's naive. Not, because you, it's not like, deli- like it's deliberate that he's misunderstanding what's happening. The, of course, he, yes. He's misunderstanding it, but the reader, and I think that Philip Reed was, did, this, did this perfectly, the reader understands that they are like, they totally want a bone. Maybe that's yeah. wrong to say about 16-year-olds, <laughs> but whatever. They totally do. Then he's like, "Why does Jack want to save my sisters?" Like, oh, art. I just kept saying that. Oh, art. <laughs> and the world building here is so good. It's so good. And there's like they take us to like the moon, and we go to Mars, and we go and then back to Earth, and, we go and to then Jupiter. and then they find the mother. At which point, we probably just spoiled the well, whole book. Yes, Anna. That's what we do here. We spoil things. <laughs> And then the mother comes back and the mother has a huge secret that I not did not see coming and she's like, Oh child of mine. She was she was so practical and so amazing. I really liked her 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 arc and her her backstory too. All the female characters in this book are great. Uh pretty fucking awesome. I agree with that. There's um Amelia, that's her name. Amelia, yeah. Amelia Mum- Mumby, who, as we said, comes back uh, because she was being held captive by the, the evil white spiders uh, that Anna didn't like very much. And oh, then, of course not. And there's Myrtle, who's obviously awesome. Then there is Ola, who is a Martian, but she's married to Sir Richard Burton of Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. And then there's Sis, Sis Cecil, and the the Blue Lizard, who knows alchemy and can fly uh aether ships and they're all super great there's also it... some hover hogs which are fantastic <laughs> i'm assuming several of them are female because they they talked about piglets at the very end of the book yeah uh the thing the thing though is that the female characters are all different types of women too Myrtle, for example, even though she could take care of herself, she was still very ladylike in a particular way. And it's not presented as a negative. So she could still faint upon the sight of something that made her scared, like gi- giant spiders. I would faint if I saw mm, Yeah, if I saw spider. a giant talking spider, I'd fuck him out. I would, I would so faint out of this. I was like, yeah, no. Not for me, thank you very much. But she's still 
you know, fought for the things that she believed in. I love the recommendation, Renee. So thank you very much for getting us to read in this book. Did you read the other? I've read the whole series. series. Yeah, I've read the whole series. Larklet's great. Starcross is great. Mothstorm can go fucking die on a volcano. Oh. So just, uh, just FYI, if you decide to read this trilogy, I do recommend Starcross. I think it's very cute, uh, especially if you like uh, Amelia, the mother from Larklet. Yeah. And, you know, evil hats. That's a thing that happens. Uh, you should definitely read Starcross. Mossstorm, I didn't like because I felt like he had spent several books making a point about gender inequality, and then he so he totally undo- he totally undoes it by the third book. He just he just basically goes, ah, binary gender is cool. Okay, so gender roles just... are gender roles are fine. I'm just like, oh, Philip Reeve, why? So that's my. <laughs> you might have a different reading. I do recommend reading Starcross, uh, but I would leave out Mossstorm. Uh, but that's just okay. Point. Okay, no, I I completely um, trust your opinion. So I mean, you Mossstorm just, wraps you it just up, but un- unsold that book to me <laughs> i mean mossstorm wraps up the trilogy really nicely except for the whole thing where the gender thing Rawr! that's what i think about that <laughs> that noise <laughs> negative space bees but like and starcross are great i highly recommend them both so yay i did a good job i recommended something you, you loved. did yes well when did you not oh yeah okay oh yeah what do we really need to bring out through the ass again <laughs> So, Larklet was published in 2006, so if you've read it, we'd like to know what you think of it. If you haven't read it yet, run, don't walk to your nearest library or book retailer to check it out. It is excellent. Next up, The Invincible Iron Man by Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez, and Justin Ponsor is the follow-up to the terrible decision Marvel made to do Secret Wars as an event, but (laughs) Invincible Iron Man is super great and i decided to make anna read it the first five issues anna what did you think i loved it i think this is one of the things that you recommended to me that i loved the most even though it's very dude heavy it is really like, dude heavy it's, it's really dude heavy yes but i love it i love it i did well i I kind of like always liked tony stark from the mcu uh i never read any iron man comics before but i thought i think this is a really great run not that i have anything to compare it against but this was really enjoyable i was cracking up because it is actually very funny is it not very funny it's so funny it's really funny brian michael bendis is a really great comedic writer i find yeah i mean i was a little dubious about the series at first but going into issue three i think i was like completely sold because there's a moment between tony and dr strange (laughs) <laughs> it makes it all worth it where they're like like Tony because the way the art works it's hard to like really explain it I think I'll probably excerpt it and put it in the show notes but like Tony has his palm up trying to get a high five from Dr. Strange and finally the, he gets it and Dr. Strange is like I hate you and Tony's like awesome facial hair bros awesome facial hair bros <laughs> it's so good awesome facial hair bros yes it's really really it's good like there is a level there's a point where that you reach in your life when you realize that people are on the same wavelength as you mm-hmm. and when they high fives and they and tony went awesome facial hair bros i was like this comic gets me <laughs> so it was so, you read it? it was such a beautiful moment I'm so glad I made you read this comic. It's so good. It is so good. But then there is also the question of Dr. Von Doom. Oh, Victor who, Von Doom. Oh, my com- goodness. Comes back. Yes. Dr. Dr. Doom comes back. And all of a sudden, he doesn't have his mask anymore. Mm-hmm. And he is incredibly handsome. Yes. And Tony is completely puzzled by this. He's not only puzzled by the fact that he's back. He's not only puzzled by the fact that he doesn't have the mask. He's puzzled by the fact that he's incredibly handsome. And that is repeated so many times throughout this run. It's an ongoing joke about how handsome Tony thinks Dr. Van Doom is. And he is very handsome. (laughs) He (laughs) is so fucking handsome. I would be like, I'd hit that. I don't... Uh, mm, Yeah. mm. Mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm, yes. Exactly. Mm. I, I feel you, Tony. I feel you. I love Friday. 
his Tony's AI assistant because yeah. she picks on him so much. It's she so does. great. And I want well, the thing that I don't of course this is the first time that I'm coming into this. Mm-hmm. And this is after the Secret Wars. Yes, whatever. Right? This is this is after this whole crossover events that well, changed everything forever and rebooted every single one of the superhero things. Yeah, it's with, eight months it's supposed to be eight months after whatever that was. Yeah, so this is this is why that explains why Doctor Doom is the way that he is. I guess. Uh, yeah, it does. I was reading up on it. Oh, well, I mean, I have the Secret Wars coming, but I haven't finished it yet. So, so I don't yeah, know. There, there is a thing that happened towards the end of the run with Dr. Fantastic and Dr. Doom. So, Mr. Fantastic, Dr. Doom. Anyway, so that explains that. What, does, what it doesn't explain is that Tony seems to be completely oblivious of the fact that the whole Secret Wars thing happened. I mean, Doctor Strange knows about it because he talks about how the worlds are colliding and separating and that is kind of like behind the mystery of of this arc. So why doesn't Tony know that? I don't know. Where is Pepper Potts? Good I, I was confused by him. And I mean, they have Mary Jane. Mary Jane shows up in Tony's story. Yes, and... Mary, Mary Jane, like Spider-Man Mary Jane, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. I don't know what's happening. So I don't know. I think we're just going to have to wait and find out. Yeah. So is it? Oh, and also Tony all of a sudden is adopted. Yeah. Listen, this is some canon that I really, that apparently some dude, and I don't know which dude it was, apparently made this canon back in a previous arc. And I hate it. And I think it's dumb. Sorry for people who appreciate that Tony is adopted, but I don't know. Just stop. Just listen, dudes. Go write fanfic on your own time. <laughs> and, like, leave certain parts of canon alone. Okay? Really? Just leave it alone. That's what yeah. fanfic is for. There's a- if you need an AO3 invite, hit me up. I'll give you one. You can do whatever you want. But, you know, as far as, like, the actual comics go, let's just not go there. Just don't go there. But they are going there, so... Ugh. So, this is anyway. going to be part of this arc. So it's one of it's one of the ongoing mysteries of who... He's an orphan. Who are his parents? And then you have Whitney Frost coming back and being kind of like the villain. I hadn't heard of Whitney Frost until Agent Carter, until this second season of Agent Carter. And then you told me that she was a recurring character in the overall universe. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. But then, of course, they are completely different ones. Yeah. Right? Welcome. Right? Yes. Welcome to comics continuity. Welcome. Uh, uh, welcome this is to so this, confusing. Welcome to hell. I guess. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, because like you get so lost. It was like, which storyline should I accept as the main storyline? I don't know. Whichever you want. That's how you just do it. You All like, of them. You, you like know, they are. You they like. are they are alternate universes, so we can accept all of them. Exactly. So it's fine. So I liked this arc a whole lot. I had some problems with, obviously, the gender stuff. All the women in the comic are, even if they're AI or, you know, villains or whatever, are all isolated. Still having that problem. Mm-hmm. Tony has a new love interest, Amara Pereira. I really liked her. She's great. I really liked her. But I only feel like she comes around to be an object for Tony. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's really unfortunate. And they were pushing this whole, Dr. Doom is so handsome. I'm like, why didn't you just leave the love interest out and just go with that? That would have been fine. Uh And And then you wouldn't have had this weird forced dating scenario happening here that does feel very forced. I get really angry at me when male writers want me to empathize with male characters, but then they do it in a way that makes it impossible for me to empathize with them. And that happened in one of the issues. I guess it was issue three. Yeah. Where Tony goes to Amaro's workplace and just sneaks in somehow. He just... Mm-hmm. He breaks in. He breaks yeah. in and surprises her. And he does it again later with Whitney when he just shows up in her hotel room. Yeah. Without permission. And I have a big problem with this. Like, I'm not going to have empathy for a main character, especially a man who's entering women's spaces without their consent. And the thing is that it's portrayed as Tony's 
relationship with science, you see, because it's supposed to be funny that he got around the security system in her lab because, you know, haha, he's a scientist and he get around... Cute security system. Exactly. So while that conversation they had, and their conversations tend to be very cute and bantery, and I really like their interactions, that whole thing with Tony, I just don't... I'm not going to empathize with a character that's doing that to women, and it's really... Like the biggest complaint I've had about this arc, this five series, is the the way that women are isolated in the narrative. They don't have like they don't talk to each other at all. They don't have relations with each other. Um, yeah, they uh, their stories are in relation to Tony. So they become absolutely like, they yeah. become objects for him, and like that is not and it's not necessary because look, there's Victor Victor Von Doom is in this comic, and he has a huge role in it. Dr. Strange is in this comic, and he has a big role. So why in the world are the women treated the way they are in the narrative? Mm. I mean, obviously, we all know why. It's sexism. That's why it's sexism. We know the answer. Yeah. Like, it sort of soured, especially that issue three, for me, even though it goes on to be, like, really good. And I really liked how the arc resolved and what the the problem was. Like, the what the... the, There were demons, apparently. There's demons. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. From another dimension. Yes. But the thing is, I I get what you're saying and mm-hmm. I agree with this, but I also think that Amara held her own. No, she really did. She's a good character. She's a really good character, I, th- I felt. Like, she wouldn't take his bullshit. I would just like to see more of her. Absolutely. So I really hope that apparently in the next arc, they're going to have Mary Jane come back. So I'm yeah. really hoping that I, we get to see like Amara and Mary Jane have discussions and interact. And this is not just like do this because it's a quota. I want people to do this because it feel it makes the universe feel more interconnected and real and tangible mm-hmm. and realistic. And that's why I want writers to do that, especially comics writers. I I want I- them to make their worlds feel like a world. And sometimes with comics, because they move so fast, like it's one issue. And it like it goes by so fast, it can be really hard to communicate to the test of time, like the depth of the universe. And I just feel like you can do that with character by making like rooting the characters in each other's lives. And that doesn't happen with women in this comic. No, it's and it's really interesting this up because it's everywhere. So there is a there is a on issue four, Tony goes uh, to visit a hospital for kids, and the only characters that actually speak in that scene are the boys. Even though you have girls in that scene too, but it's the boy again that gets the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So that would that that could have been a good moment to bring a girl to the fore to the center of the story, but it didn't. So this is why I I, I said at the beginning that this feels very bro-ish, very dude-ish. Mm, it really does. I agree. I, I still love it, and it's unfortunate because there are really great female characters here, but they are in isolation, absolutely. But, you know, really awesome facial heroes. And the art, David Marquez's art is amazing. It's... it's- yeah. And the coloring that Justin Ponsor does. I mean, just working together, they've made this super gorgeous. It's comic. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The whole thing with Whitney on issue five, the last one, and then the moment when Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange do their magic stuff. It's really beautiful. So great. I love the yeah. art in this so much, which makes it really upsetting for me that and issue six, the arc is starting after this one. We've gone to another artist who I don't like at all. The artist and colorist on issue six. I'm just like, mm, I don't oh, know. okay. I feel very like I feel very emotionally disconnected from the comic because the art okay. is just not good. Ooh. I mean, obviously, people would disagree with me. It feels very '90s to me. The art oh. feels very '90s art to me. But I'm just like, mm, it's not my style. Can we have David Marquez back? No? Okay. It's busy. All right. It is hard work. Um, and w- doing comics like this is hard work. So I know why artists don't follow, like do an entire comic like this, especially when the turnaround time is so fast. But man, it sucks to get really addicted to a great artist and have it change. It's just really hard. It is. Because it changes the tone of the comic completely. Like, I don't I'm even... Not... I'm really curious. I guess I'm going to put issue six up for you if you want to read it and you can tell me what you think. I'm really curious now. Yeah, so I'll put it up and you can check and 
Let's see what you think. But I mean, overall, I really like this comic so far. So, hmm. And you really like Tony as a character. I really do like Tony. I have a thing about uh, white men sent, sent to war and who come back changed and damaged. Hmm. Especially privileged white men. I have some feelings about it. Okay. Thanks, Dad. Mm. So yeah, but I really, I really liked this comic, and I guess, I guess you liked it too. I did a good I job liked it again. Too. Yes. yes, like high five points for me. How many space bees <laughs> would you give this? I would give this four space bees. Four space bees. It was totally worth it for the we are awesome hair face bros. <laughs> totally worth it. Totally worth it. If you've read Invincible Iron Man by Brian Michael Bendis, and if you liked it, let us know what you think. If you haven't read it yet, the trade of the first five issues will be out in a few weeks or months, and you can check it out then. It's also available on Comixology. Next on the discussion list is Labyrinth, a movie starring Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie about a girl who wishes that the goblins would come and take her annoying baby brother away. And what happens when the Goblin King shows up and to do that? Anna, this was like a formative movie of my childhood. And I watched it over and over and over again. And I loved mm-hmm. it. And I still love it. I watched it for our discussion. And I was like, this is still solid entertainment. Even if it doesn't make much sense. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. What did you think? I loved it. Yay! Okay, so I did watch that movie before. I think probably... I did not go to the movies to watch it. It was 1986 that came out, right? So I was 10 years old. I think I probably watched it a couple of years after that on uh, VCR. <laughs> so old. Oh, man, VCRs. Me uh, too. Me too. Uh, I don't think it made a huge impression on me. I wonder if I was either too young or too old or I didn't get it. But... I couldn't remember anything about it. Wow. So, yeah, it, it just really did not make an impression on me. Um, so I didn't I didn't watch it again until now. And uh, the reason why I wanted to watch it now was because, you know, David Bowie recently passed away. And I saw a lot of people talking about how formative that movie was for them. And it really s- struck me how, well, I watched this when I was a young teenager so why did I not feel more connected to it? I suggested us um, to watch this now. And I'm really glad that we did because I completely adored it. It was so I, great. I, I adored it. I adored the whole arc, the story with the young girl that is growing to be a woman. And it's finding her way around the world. And it's, it, it's confronted by her deepest desires and one of the deepest desires is either to become a glob- goblin queen and be loved by this highly, highly beautiful man. Anyway, um, and or and you know the the desire to be just by herself, like in a really horrible, privileged, egotistical way, in which that she just wants all the attention from her father to her. She doesn't like. She doesn't want a baby brother she doesn't want to spend time taking care of a baby brother typical teenager and then she grows so much by the end of the story and she grows into this kind of like really self-confident kind of power too and she makes friends with really weird people yeah so this is another movie where i noticed that she's a little pretty she's pretty alone in this narrative yeah she's centered the girl is centered in the narrative but every character around her is like it's, coded oh, male. Oh man, yeah. I, I found mm-hmm. that really fascinating. Even her allies that she finds along the way are awesome. Mm-hmm. All the like all the characters she helpful characters or whatever she meets. They're all guys. Yeah. So I was just like, is this on purpose? I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, because we see the stepmother, but then mm-hmm. like, is that a is that a feature that? It's trying to fo- point out that she only listens to men, and that's kind of the problem. And this is kind of her throwing off a patriarchal way of moving through the world. Uh, hmm. I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna. This is too deep. Too deep for labyrinth. I, I don't. I don't think that movie's that deep. 
I mean, you could probably find some evidence, but whatever. Probably. So anyway, she's a spoiled brat when the movie starts, and by the time it ends, she's learned compassion and empathy and how to be a kind person. And how to hold her own against the Goblin King. That's true, yes. You You have no power over me. Story time! When I was a little kid on the internet, I looked for Labyrinth fanfic. Uh-oh. And I found this website that had a ton of it, so much. And there was this one work in progress that I was following. And this was back when fanfic was like measured in like size and not word count. Like, like it would show you how long it would take you to download it on your shitty fourteen point four modem. Oh wow! So I like I was reading this fic, and it was about how Sarah went back to the Goblin Kingdom, and she and Jared had to get married, and it was just really. There was a lot of politics in it because of the internet and how it works. The site was vanished. It was gone. And I never finished the story. And I don't know what happened in the story. I never got to finish the oh, story. Oh, no. Did you did you, did you you look up again? Maybe it's up no, somewhere. I don't. I haven't gone to look for Lemon Fanfic, but I'm going to. A lot of my friends like back then was like, oh, God, why do you shift these characters? This is so creepy. I'm like, don't kink shame me. Listen, I, would, I did not have a lot of friends after a while in high school because I was just like, Fuck you guys. I want to ship what I want. <laughs> if you're creeped out, you can just leave. <laughs> Everything's explained about why I don't have a lot of friends. Um, <laughs> when I think back to what I like in romance, and I just think that I just really hope I did not like base, like, baby me didn't base, like, my idolized version of romance on this movie because, like, they're both so fucking spoiled, and Sarah's the only mm-hmm. one who grows up. Like, she's the only one who grows up. He does not grow up. I don't know if he's no. supposed to, but I think, like, the... But I just, like, oh, okay. Well, this is why. This is why fanfic exists, because they can explore <laughs> these things. But now I need to go find tons of Labyrinth fanfic and read it. You're like, no. But uh, it's okay, Anna. It's fine. You don't have to. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be fine on my own out there. I don't know. You don't, you don't ship these characters, probably. No. No. But Although I, I understand why you do. Yes. It's the first time I ever, the first time I realized how hot he was, actually. Yeah, it's fine. Don't, you're not going to kink shame me and it's going to be okay. We're going to remain friends. No, no, no. I'm not going to kink shame you. I just think they are, the power dynamics is too different, I think. Mm-hmm. No, I if, mean, if, I agree. That's exactly why I like it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. So before, when I told Zachary we were going to talk about this, he's like, oh, have you heard that fan theory? I'm like, what? What fan theory? He's like, you haven't really had, what, really? Where have you been? I'm like, like, he's, like, he's the one that spends more time on the internet than I do. Nice try, Zach. We all know who spends the most internet time in this household, <laughs> and it's me. He linked me to this theory where this person posited that the reason at the beginning where Hoggle goes, oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's you, or oh, I thought so when he meets Sarah is because she's not the first Sarah. It's that when Jared was younger, he fell in love with this girl named Sarah, who whose stepmother like wouldn't, who's evil, wouldn't let them be together or whatever. And oh. he like went off and he created this kingdom so they could live together. But by the time he like got back to the real world, she had died and he was like, you know, crushed. And so he spent like the rest of whatever looking for you know a girl named Sarah with an evil stepmother and a baby brother. And he just keeps bringing girls named Sarah into the labyrinth. And throughout the years, over and over and over, he's done it. This is why it's a book that Sarah reads from. This is why the golems exist, because the golems are the children that he's taken. And that the other Sarahs couldn't find. And, like, Zach was like, here is the theory. He linked me to it. And he's like, it was, it did the rounds and it got really bad until everybody started yelling at the person for centering Jareth into the Sarah. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. But I'm, like, that's it's, interesting. I know. It's, I think it's really cool to like look at it from that perspective too. I just cracked up that his name is Jared. Jared. It's like what kind? What? Oh yes, Jared. What kind of name is that for a Goblin King? A sexy one, I guess. <laughs> no. Yes, I like his name. Don't don't name shame him, Anna. Really? <laughs> I like his name. It's fine. Is the Goblin King a recurring story? I'm just wondering if this is a retelling of something. I don't know. Because it just sounds so familiar. 
I'm Anna, we all know how I feel about fairy tales and fairy tale retellings, and I'm really mm. bad at them. This is your area of expertise. You gotta dig into those memory banks and find it, because I don't know. I'm wondering. You should figure it out and let us know. Che- we'll check in with you and be like, did you ever figure out what the Cutlet King in Labyrinth was referencing? True. This was, pro- this was like executive produced by George Lucas, apparently. And- it was! I was, just, I thought that I was, was so weird. Lucasfilm and the hand, like, Henson Stute, like Jim Henson, like, put this together. I was just like, oh, that's world colliding. Yeah. What was your favorite song? I don't like songs. It's, Anna, try, just try. Just try. Just give it a shot. I, I, don't, I don't have one. Just pick one that you liked that was pretty. I don't even remember them. Oh my god! How can you not remember them? It's David Bowie. He's singing. Except for the song in the forest with the head things that took off their heads. That song i don't i do know uh every time there was a song i would just do something else but the songs have a purpose they're like narratively important things <sighs> happen sorry. on the screen what do you mean you, you looked away from the screen there are important <sighs> narrative moments i renee i'm so terrible with music you don't even have to know pay that. attention to the music you just watch what's happening on the screen did you miss the whole like super sexually charged bubble no, that I think maybe that was my favorite song though because of the super sexually charged bubble moment. <laughs> yeah, I think okay, that was a favorite song. I cannot remember anything about the song itself, but yes, I remember that scene. Does that help? Uh, yes, that is that is that's. That is also my favorite. So you chose correctly. We can, we can still be we can still be friends. It's fine. Phew. Phew. <laughs> no, I just I don't know. I thought I think I was bored by the songs. Oh, but, Anna, yeah. man. Anna, you gotta. You can do this, Anna. I'm believing you. I'm sorry. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. Okay. I know. I actually do like a couple of David Bowie songs. Not from the movie. Well, obviously. I mean, he wrote and he wrote all those songs that he performed. Yes, he did. Yes. Which I think is super cool, which I didn't, I don't know if I knew that. I knew that he performed them, but I just didn't know he wrote them too. Mm, I, I don't can't believe I, now. I can't believe now that if I just walk up to you or send you like a thing on Twitter going, you remind me of the babe, you won't be able to quote that song for back at me word for word. It's so disappointing. Oh, no. I'm sorry. No, I really don't. <sighs> You, know. you, re- you remind me of the babe. I remember that bitch as well. What Sorry. babe? The babe with the power. What power? Do you know? You don't. You the power don't... of the womb. The power of the womb. <laughs> oh God, Isn't that no. it? Isn't that no? no? <laughs> what is the power? Ah, <laughs> uh, you need to go back and listen to this song again, Anna. I can't believe this. So is it wrong. not the power of the womb? It is the power of the womb. Now, what is the power? The ba- what's the power? The power of see, voodoo. The power of voodoo. Uh, so the, so see, I got like two letters. <laughs> <laughs> out of six, two out of six. That's a failing grade. Maybe maybe you should sing. I'm not I keep, singing. I keep singing, and then you keep dropping all of those moments where like my heart is open to you, and you drop them at the end of the podcast for people to find them. It's because I know better as, than to sing. As Easter eggs. You should sing. I'm sing. not going sing. to sing. Sing, no. sing, sing, sing. No? I'll put that one at the end of the podcast. No. <laughs> oh, damn it. I just walked into that one. You sure did. <laughs> ah, you love being friends with me. You are a delight. A surprise delight. So we both really liked revisiting this movie. We thought it was cute. I did, yes. I actually, I I think it was more than cute, even because because of the whole thing with the with the girl. I just I loved her, even though she was a spoiled branch to begin with. But she grows up. That's the whole point. She grows up. up. That's yeah. That's the point. And she's so pretty. It's not fair, but that's just how it is. Yeah, I'm really glad that I watched this, even though you didn't watch the songs. Even though I didn't care for the songs. What did you think about the Earthbender Ludo <laughs> calling the rocks? I forgot. Oh, that was yes. a thing that I forgot about. I forgot. Totally Earthbending. That Ludo could call rocks. I, I love the cute dog. What's his name? Uh, Ambrosius. Ambrosius. Sir, Sir Ambrosius. Sir Didymus and his noble steed, Ambrosius. Yes. He's the uh... smartest one of them all. He's like, I'm going to run and fucking hide. It's scary. When it like, especially the, in the in the movie when they get to the Goblin City and this giant robot comes out, who goes? 
And he's like, fuck this. <laughs> and Sardinimus misses the entire battle because he's like, come out. What is wrong with you? Come out. <sighs> <sighs> so good. That was my favorite. I love that. The, the puppets were so good. The puppets were just so good. I loved all. I just loved all of them so much. Like the hand tunnel at the very beginning. Oh yeah! Like she chose down, and I was like, "Oh man, I remember being so terrified of this as a kid." This was that was a really good scene, actually, really well done. There were some special effects that were quite. (laughs) Yes, there There was like one of them with the with the weird birds. It like this is clearly against. A screen of some sort in the back there. <laughs> I mean, like, it was what do you want? Not good. It was the eighties, nineteen eighty-six. Oh, eighties, yeah. What, what do you want for them with special effects? They gave it their best shot. I just don't think I paid attention to that movie at all when I first watched. I can't understand why I wouldn't have liked it. I think you were probably too young for it. I don't know because like, said- I watched it when I was like I watched it when I was like eleven or so, and I was like, oh, it's okay. But I didn't really get into it, into it until I like hit fourteen and fifteen, and then I would like rewatch it constantly. Right, so maybe. No, I really liked it. I give it five out of five space bees. Ooh, I would give it four. That's fair, I guess. Four, mm. four. We de- we departed our number of space bees. <sighs> hmm. Okay, it's fine. I'm not upset at all. Are we done? How could you only give it four space bees? <laughs> I'm so upset. I don't know why I want to give it four. I think because of the songs. Oh, it's boring. <laughs> they were so boring. Oh, no. Okay, fine. That's fair. I'll give it to you. I'll allow uh, it. Thank you. I was actually expecting better songs because they were written by David Bowie. I was disappointed with the songs. I was the like, songs are, ah! songs are great. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the art of the voodoo. Okay, we've got to move on. Okay. Okay, if you guys have watched The Labyrinth recently or any time before, what did you think of it? Did you like it? Do you think it stands the test of time? If you haven't seen it, you should get on that because it is super cute and also kind of dark, but mostly super cute. And now, since Anna has broken my heart by only giving labyrinth four space bees we're gonna have some wrecks anna go first right i my wreck is a book that i read a few years ago it's called the hollow kingdom by claire Bindunkel. i wonder now if this book is um, inspired by labyrinth because it's a take on a similar very similar story and it's a young girl who is kidnapped by a goblin king and she's taken along with her sister her younger sister as well and there is for some reason that young sister is in danger and i can't remember of what but not uh, in danger because of that goblin king so our protagonist strikes a bargain with the goblin king that she would marry him uh, to save her sister. And then her and her sister go live with the goblins and they become... The young girl marries the goblin king and becomes the goblin queen and comes into a lot of power through that. And the relationship between her and the goblin king is really interesting because, of course, it starts really badly with him kidnapping her. Duh. Never a good thing. But they develop an alliance, a friendship, and eventually they fall in love with each other. And it's kind of like a beauty and uh, the beastie, beast as well, because he's quite horrid, physically speaking. But despite the fact that he kidnapped her, because that's something that goblins do, he's actually a good person. And it's a really, really interesting novel. And it's so well written. It's beautiful. And the romance really grows on you. I really liked that one. So it's called The Hollow Kingdom by Claire Bidunkel. It's actually the first in a trilogy that follows different characters within that world. How about you, Renee? Wait, so it grows on you? Yes. Like a fungus? Oh my god, like a deceptive mushroom, yes. Everybody be (laughs) wary of this wreck. Watch out. No, no. 
it's a beaut it's a beautiful story. It, it won. Let me see. It actually won one of my favorite awards is the Mythopoetic Fantasy Award for Children's Literature, and it actually won it in 2004. So it's a really beautiful fantasy novel. I can't go wrong with an award. Wow, that's, <laughs> fancy. Oh, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can I can feel the irony dripping out of your words there. It's okay. The, yes, the I have a wreck. sarcasm. I have I have one. So there is a thick exchange on AO3. It's called Yuletide. It happens every year around the holidays. And Yuletide is for rare fandoms. So you request fic in fandoms that generally don't get a lot of fic written for them. And you sign up and somebody will write you a fic in the rare fandom of your heart. And you'll write something for somebody else. And it's all feel good and great. Yuletide has been running for a very long time. Even though it, it's pretty... I mean, a long time. Like now that I'm thinking of it, but it doesn't even feel that old. God, time is weird. <laughs> but anyway, back when Larklight was out and sort of new, and Starcross had just come out, I think, as well, somebody wrote a story for Yuletide called The Alchemist's Revenge. And it's by Afray, and it is a super cute story set in the Larklight universe. It does have spoilers from Starcross, the second book, so you might want to read the second book first, unless you don't care about spoilers. In that case, you can definitely read it. It's about Myrtle going to school in London and what happens there, and it's adorable. It's adorable. It's written in the style of the book. It hits it. It hits every note perfectly. It's a, It's definitely also a romance, too, between Myrtle and Jack. Yay. Uh, <laughs> so cute. I don't want to spoil it, because I think just going into it blind is the best, Like, because it's so cute. There's like some cross-dressing that happens, because Myrtle has to pretend to be a boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. I highly recommend this This fic. It's about 10,000 words long, and it's adorable. The end. You should read it. I want to read it. Yes, I will give you a link, and you can read it. Okay, you I, no lo- I love Myrtle and Jack. I love them, so... Yeah, yeah, but you, it's a good thing you did, because you had no choice, because I was going to make you read it anyway. <laughs> Don't think that I haven't forgot, like I've forgotten that I you agreed to read my favorite Star Trek story if I read... Yes, I'm waiting for that. So Megan Whalen Turner series. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how 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 are we on that bat? Uh, it's in progress. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh. It is. So mm-hmm. but in the mm-hmm. meantime you could read The Alchemist Revenge. Okay. Just to wet your whistle for the hundred eight thousand word Star Trek story <laughs> I'm gonna force you to read later. My god, that's bigger than the novel that I'm editing right now. You're welcome. I'm the greatest friend. I'm the greatest. Oh my god. And on that note, I think that wraps us up for this week. Yay! Anna, thanks for talking to me. A pleasure as always. Remember, Renee, remember, you are a goddamn treasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And guys, thank you for listening to us ramble on about things. We really appreciate you. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Fangirl Happy Hour is Anna Grillo and me, Renee Williams. I'm also our producer. You'll find links to some of our discussion topics in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr and Facebook at Fangirl Happy Hour. One long word, no spaces. You can chat with us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcast. You can also find us under our personal accounts at Booksmugglers and at Renee. Our music is by Boxcat Games. Our logo is by the very talented Era. You can commission them at justera.tumblr.com. For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode.